You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. I've been thinking about what topics we should be covering right now with so much change happening in the world and so much uncertainty. And today's episode is really focused on one of the facets that is not getting enough attention with all the changes that have taken place and so much uh, turbulence going on in the world. One of the things that gets lost is our sense of connection to consistency and routine. The human brain thrives on routine, is constantly looking for routine to automate behaviors so that it can go on to do other things. But if there isn't a modicum of certainty and consistency and routine, there's gonna be a heightened state of alert, right? We've already got enough alert going on right now. And prior to this change taking place that is really happening worldwide, a lot of folks would get up every day, kind of knew what they were gonna do. You get up, you go to work, you get the kids ready to go to work, everybody disperses. We have disbursement taking place. For tens of millions of folks here in the United States alone, that pattern has gotten turned upside down. And we're not taking on the same routines that we once had. And as a matter of fact, because of that, many of us have not yet anchored ourselves and gotten grounded and created a new routine. It's just been up in the air, juggling a couple of balls. Some of us are juggling knives, juggling chainsaws. You know, we're just, we're juggling and we didn't get any training on it. So today is about taking back control of our schedules, taking back control and, and helping to manage the things that we can manage because this is still providing an opportunity not just for things to get back to a normal. We're not looking for a normal. The normal that we had, that we saw as a normal, of course, like we wanna be able to do things, see our family, live our lives, experience life, but we had a festering issue, a series of festering issues going on underneath the surface in this country. Our education system, training our children in much of the same old patterns for a world that no longer exists, all right? The job market is not what it once was and we still are doing a lot of the same practices and moving away from allowing our children to have access to things that invigorate them. You know, playing, recess, physical activity, arts, all of those things, the funding for those things have been dwindled down and more testing and more rote memorization and, and sitting and things that are very counter to the, the health and development of our children. And it's not to say that our system has not been valuable. Of course, like I'm a product. We're all products. You know, many of us are, are of conventional education, but it needs to change. We need to evolve with the times. And now we know we've got a lot of data now on the things that really help to create healthier, more successful, sovereign human beings, free thinking, creative human beings. We need creativity right now. We need innovation and new ways of looking at things. And we can really help to usher in change for our children we're gonna then usher in change for our future. So uh, this is very, very important to me. And that issue has been festering, but now everything has been turned upside down so much, twisted inside out, we really get to get face to face with it and start asking questions like, how was it going before this? Do we really wanna go back to how it was? Can we create something better? You know, we've got so much invested in the system, so many wonderful resources with our 
amazing teachers who really are making a decision like to take on the role of really cultivating our number one resource as humanity. Our children are our number one resource. And so helping to support the teachers who are doing this work as well in new and dynamic ways. Now we get the chance to do it, but we can't sit back on our hands and just let stuff and try to get back to what we call this norm. And obviously here with the Model Health Show, we focus on health in all dimensions of our lives. Uh, another big issue, of course, is the, the what's happening with the job market and starting to see that differently because we've been training our children to go into a job market where now we're seeing these skyrocketing rates of uh, of, of depression and anxiety and unhappiness tied to the work that we're doing. We just did a show recently on that entire subject. Is this what we're doing for our children is creating, putting them through an education system that then puts them into a job market where they're living a life of unhappiness and lack of fulfillment. We can do better. We can do better. So we'll put that episode for you in the show notes. But of course, the big topic that's the, the tip of the spear for this is the health and wellness of our country. And I've been a big proponent and continuing to, to lead the charge and push the gas pedal down to say we do not want a norm when it comes to health. We've seen massive disease and destruction and loss of lives consistently every single year. Every single chronic disease continues to go up, every single one of them. And nobody is addressing the root cause of our susceptibility to viral infections, to bacterial infections, to all manner of other things, we're not addressing the underlying susceptibility and we have to make a change. You know, our medical system right now, and I'm going to continue to press this into popular conversation, every chance that I get right now, treatment from conventional medicine. Here in America, treatment from conventional medicine is the third leading cause of death here in the United States. Treatment from conventional medicine is the third leading cause of death. For some folks, this is gonna be shocking. It doesn't make sense, it doesn't compute. Johns Hopkins did a wonderful study because the crazy part is the investigators have to go and dig and really find this data because the coding really helps to bypass and not even put for the death certificate, the coding, what the cause of death was related to improper care with modern medicine with conventional medicine. This gives, of course, drugs, surgery, neglect, all manner of things. There are many different issues to target, but we need to talk about this. If it's gonna get better, the third leading cause of death after heart disease and cancer being conventional medicine killing us? And this is the system we're looking to right now to fix the situation? What sense does that make? What sense does it make? Our system is wonderful for emergency care. It is the best. Absolutely, all right? Don't give me a nutrition plan if my arm's hanging off. You know what I mean? Like, fix the arm, you know what I mean? It has its place, but for the treatment and reversal and prevention of our most pressing issues that kill millions of people each year, the heart disease, the obesity, the diabetes, the Alzheimer's, everything that continues to go up, the, the obesity in and of itself, Upwards of 400,000 lives are lost in the United States tied to obesity every single year. This is not okay. We don't wanna get back to the norm. We don't want things to get back to normal. We wanna be better. And for that to happen, we have to step up and use our voices. We have to think in new ways. We have to support each other. We have to have these conversations, even if they're tough. These are things that we might not wanna look at, but we have to stand firm 
in these things. Not on the idea that is true, but based on facts, based on logic and rationality. Like, okay, this system is the third leading cause of death in the United States. People need to know this. We need to do better. It's not acceptable anymore. We can't keep trying to treat symptoms of underlying problems. The craziest part is, as I'm talking about heart disease continuing to be just skyrocketing rates of heart disease every year, the number one cause of death. I know some of the top cardiologists in the world. All right. And they'll share with me that in their 10 years of medical school, 12 years, they'll get training on nutrition, maybe two weeks in 12 years, 12 years, two weeks of nutrition. And we're looking at, okay, the human heart and the related organs, you know, the cardiovascular system, the arteries, what's going on there, all these different things, missing the fact that your heart is made of the food that you eat. How is this not a bigger part of the discussion? The food that we eat determines what our heart is literally made out of, what our arteries are literally made out of. The things that, quote, clog our arteries is from the food that we eat. Why is this not a bigger part of the system? We're looking to a system that treats symptoms and a system of mass death in and of itself to fix this. And it's not okay. We have to do better. We have to step up and have this conversation. So I just want to share that. Uh, I just feel compelled to continue to keep this conversation going. It's very important. But most importantly today, for us to even do that, for us to have the energy and the wherewithal and the focus and the creativity to think at that level, we have to take back some self-management. All right. There's this term that so many people have heard over the years of time management. You need to have better time management. You can't manage time. Time's just going to happen. You can't manage time. Like, wait a minute, you know, hold up. I've got the, uh, you know, I've got the, I've got the DeLorean, Sean. You know, I can manage time just fine. We can't manage time, but we can manage ourselves within the construct of time because it's a, it's a construct. Time is so freaking weird. We could do a show on time that'll freak you out. All right. Time is different depending on where you are. It depends on where you are, even on, on earth. Time can go a little bit slower or faster depending on where you are. Freak you out. But we're not here to freak you out today. We're here to freak you in, maybe? I don't know. We're here to go within to get some more empowerment so that we can better manage ourselves in the construct of time. And we've got the number one person in the world in this subject matter for you today. And actually, you know what's so funny? I met this guy when, when I was in Austin uh, a few years ago. Well, actually, this is the first time we met each other in person, but we had done some stuff previously. And I was down there visiting Onnit headquarters. Shout out to everybody at Onnit. Man, what a great place. And by the way, it was actually when I saw our guests, it was I had gotten some tickets from the folks at Onnit when I went there to a UFC match that was taking place there, which was just in and of itself just a crazy like gladiator vibe to it. Uh, but now on it also has this like world-class jujitsu facility there. Of course, they got the world-class, you know, on it gym, on it academy. They've been really, really the people who've popularized and pushing the culture 
uh, the steel clubs and maces, these really unorthodox fitness tools that have been around for thousands of years in different capacities, but really pressing that into popular culture. And, you know, like they're prime, they take the kettlebells and these crazy designs, the primal bells and the, you know, they've had partnerships with Marvel, you know, partnerships with Star Wars. There's like a Darth Vader kettlebell. How gangster does it get? You know what I mean? So such a cool company, but also just the exposure and the whole vibe, but most importantly, incredible people behind the scenes, uh, not just making the fitness equipment and just the gear, but the nutrition side and using earth grown nutrients for their supplements, which this is one of the few companies that funds double blind placebo control studies where we're, again, you don't know what you're taking. So it's the double blind study and using a placebo involved as well. And like putting their products to the test to see what happens. And so uh, one of them was done at Florida State University and they were testing their pre-workout Shroom Tech Sport. This was a double blind placebo controlled study, 12 week trial performed at Florida State University. And they took test subjects and they had them to uh, do different lifts in the gym. Like this is a pre-workout, let's see what happens. Does it actually have an impact on our results and what we're able to accomplish with the fitness side? And folks who were taking the Shroom Tech Sport were able to increase their bench press by 12%, their reps, the number of reps they were able to do by 12% versus the folks taking the placebo. Something happened. They also were found to increase their both combined bench press and back squat reps, so superset, by 7%. And they were also found to increase their cardiovascular performance by almost 9% something good is happening. And these are the things that we get the benefit without the side effect because it's based on real food, earth-grown nutrients. And the hallmark ingredient is cordyceps. And there's also some B12 combination, again, from earth-grown nutrients in this formula. It's just, it's an incredible, it's an awesome pre-workout. And you don't get any kind of weird, man, when I was like starting off and, you know, working out when I was a kid, you know, in my teens, I was taking some of the craziest stuff. Even today, they got like, there's pre-workouts called like total war, you know, like, and then you feel like somebody's shooting at you. You know what I mean? It's just, we could do better. So definitely check out their Shroom Tech Sport. Go to onit.com forward slash model. That's O-N-N-I-T.com forward slash model. And you get 10% off everything they carry. And uh, definitely check out the, the Shroom Tech Sports, my favorite pre-workout. And so down there at, at Onnit headquarters. And then I hung out with our guest today and just one of the most incredible stories. I promise you, you're going to hear what this man, and oh, I'm just gonna let, I'm gonna let him share it with you. And really tune in, listen with your, with your whole heart, your whole heart, your mind really focus in because I think you're gonna get a lot out of this and just to, rem to remember how remarkable we are as humans to overcome anything we're faced with. And these are the kind of messages that I wanna make sure you get access to. And so we're gonna get into that in just a moment, but first let's get to the Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review titled, Wake Up People by Danny B. Glass. I've enjoyed listening to Sean for about a year now, and a lot has changed in that year. I've enjoyed learning the histories of different health and wellness strategies and how they got started. Now, being in the midst of a global pandemic, he's taking big leaps by showing the other side of the story, the story they apparently don't want you to know. 
Combined with wit and hard-backed evidence, Sean provides us with a deep and powerful understanding of what's really going on. Thank you for waking up the masses. Namaste. So good. So powerful. Thank you so much for leaving me that review over on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for sharing your voice. And listen, we are not taking the foot off the gas. We're just going to keep it coming. And I appreciate this so much. If you've yet to do so, please pop over to Apple Podcasts today. Leave a review for the show. All right, it really does mean a lot. And on that note, let's get to our special guest and topic of the day. Our guest today is Hal Elrod, and he is the author of 12 best-selling books, including The Miracle Morning, which has created an absolute movement. It's been translated into over 35 languages, sold millions of copies, but it's just created a movement of change. And Hal himself has been somebody who's been a continuous inspiration for so many people. His story of transformation and recovery and applying what he talks about has been the real fuel for this movement. And he's a really good friend, an incredible individual. And this conversation, again, really tune in, listen with your whole heart, because I think you can pull some really powerful things away from this. So let's jump into this incredible conversation with the one and only Hal Elrod. Mr. Hal Elrod, Sean, so good to see you, my man. Sean Model, man, it's been too long. Oh, wait, I talked to you like a week ago, but it's good to see you again. Right. <laughs> we got to make this more of a consistent thing. I'm with you. You know, you're one of my favorite people, man. You're just an incredible inspiration. You've been in this field, like, killing it for such a long time, man. Your story's incredible. And it's been, we just, I, I just found this out today. I thought it was maybe like three years ago, but it's been five years since you've been on the show. Yeah, five years. Yeah, we, we should make it like annually. Right. Yeah. Got to to speed this up a little bit. That's half a decade. Yeah, man. Like, like Rogan, right? Rogan always has his regulars. Like you be a regular, you come on my show. I'll come on your show, right? We'll take care of each other. Uh, I love it, man. I love it. And the big thing that I love with you, and this is literally on my calendar right now, for my wake up time, it says Miracle Morning. You know, like, let's go, let's get get that morning morning protocol in. The title that you created is imp- implemented and integrated into my life, man. So you were that remarkable. That's cool, man. I, I, I'm grateful. And I owe it to my wife. She actually, that was her idea for a name after I, I did this morning routine for two months. And I went to her, I go, sweetie, I said, this is this morning routine is like a miracle. I said, we've doubled our income. Um, I'm training for an ultra marathon. Like what? I'm not a runner. And, and I said, and you know, and I was depressed a couple months ago. I'm like on top of the world. I go, this morning routine feels like a miracle. And she goes, it's your miracle morning. And I Bam. go, and, yeah. And gave you the little point. Yeah. She's my, she's my muse. I've realized that she's my muse. Like she has given me so much inspiration and ideas and nuggets like at these pivotal. And it's always like in the, in the hallway, it's like, you know, in the shower, like and this idea she just has, and then it ends up, you know, taking off. So it tends to happen like that, man. And being that it's been five years, we've got so many uh, new, incredible listeners, folks from all over the world listening in right now. So I really want to talk about your superhero origin story. Yeah. The reason that this term that's come from the house of Elrod to our house in so many people's homes across the world, uh, across America and, and internationally, the Miracle Morning. This was really born out of a very uh, powerful story. Yeah. So how did you get into this space in the first place, man? Personal development, you're one of the top speakers in the world. How did all this really start? Yeah, so well, it started when I was 19 years old. I, uh, I was a radio DJ. So I had my second gig on the air. I had a radio show when I was 15. 
again, when I was 19 and uh, a buddy of mine was, he worked for Cutco Cutlery. He sold Cutco kitchen knives and he used to always, his name was Teddy Watson. And Teddy used to always, he would always kind of razz me and go, dude, you should come in, come in for an interview. Like you'd be great at selling Cutco. And I would always, you know, I'm like, I'm a DJ. I, I don't, I don't have any desire to sell anything. And uh, one day I was with him when he went by the office, I met the manager, long story short, I decided to give it a try. And I committed three days, a weekend to this three day training. And then I decided on the second day of training that I wanted to break the all time company record. And it was really born from a sense of like being average my whole life. I had never done anything really remarkable. I, I didn't get good grades. You know, I was always in trouble. Like I wasn't an athlete. Like I, I was a class clown. That was all I had going for me. I was, nothing else. And, uh, I just decided I want to break the all-time company record. And I went out my first 10 days and I, I sold more Cutco than anyone had in 50 years, uh, and at least in the Western US. I think somebody back east had done more, but, but I broke the record. And that was when kind of, I think for all of us, you know, um, what is Tony Robbins has that, that uh, quote on our, our uh, moments of our decision that our destiny is shaped, in our moments of decision that our destiny is shaped. And when I decided, I committed, I will do everything in my power to break this record, that's when everything kind of changed. And so I started speaking at every, Cutco put me on stage at every event that they had. So that's how that was born. Mm. And uh, I planned on being in Cutco for life though. Like that was the plan. I loved the company. I loved the culture. I loved the people. And a year and a half into my career, I was driving home after I gave a speech at a conference and my car was hit head on by a drunk driver at 80 miles per hour. And I was found dead at the scene. Um, I actually bled to death that night. I was, my heart stopped beating for about six minutes. Uh, I was in a coma for six days. I flatlined twice more in that coma. And when I came out of the coma, the doctor said I would never walk again and I have permanent brain damage. And I always joke, my, my wife and kids will vouch for the brain damage. That's a very real thing. Um, but, uh, but I told my parents and I told the doctors, I go, look, if I never walk again, I'll be at peace with it. In fact, I told my dad, I said, dad, I've already decided if I never walk again, I'll be the happiest, most grateful person that you've ever seen in a wheelchair because I'm in a wheelchair either way, and I will never let my circumstances define my emotional well-being. And Sean, I want to kind of pause on that for a second, because I think that for all of us right now, the world is in chaos like we've never seen before collectively as, as a global society. And I think a lot of us are, are I, I know I am, man, I'm, you know, every day is like, I got to remind myself of this because there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of struggle. There's a lot of uncertainty. It's different for everybody. And for, for, for me, I keep reminding myself of that same lesson I learned when I was 20 in the car accident, that I will never let my circumstances define my emotional well-being. I will not let my outer world dictate my inner world. I will choose to be the happiest, the most grateful, the most optimistic, the most at peace I could ever be in the midst of the most difficult times in, in my life. You know, and I think that we all have, have that choice. So, the doctors thought I was in denial because I was so happy. I was always smiling and joking and laughing and they thought I was out. I was delusional. I was in denial. And a week, uh, I came out of the coma after a week and two weeks later they came in with x-rays and they said, we don't know how to explain this, Hal, but you are, your body is healing so rapidly. You're actually, we're going to let you take your first step tomorrow in therapy. And, and I was like, you know, even me being optimistic, I was thinking I was probably a year away from walking again. And three weeks after the crash, after I was found dead, after I broke 11 bones, including my femur, including my pelvis in three places, 
Um, they wheeled me up to the parallel bars in my wheelchair and I took my first step that day. And you know, the rest is kind of history, but the one conversation, my dad was talking in the hospital about my emotional well-being and, and the doctor's concerns. I said, dad, I always wanted to be a professional speaker, you know, motivational speaker, if you will. I said, but I never really had much of a story. You know, you and mom were good to me. You know, yeah, I got bullied in high school, but nothing major. I said, I would have never asked for this, but maybe that's the reason for this happening. Maybe that's the purpose mm. is that I'm supposed to overcome this challenge and go out and I'm supposed to share it with other people. I said, so because that's that's driving me to be as positive, as optimistic, as proactive as I possibly can so that I can live my life as an example that will help other people when it when the time comes. And, you know, that that is that is where my first book came from. And all of that was born from that challenge. And then that led into, you know, six years later, the 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 financial collapse of 2008 led into this concept that we you know call the miracle morning. Yeah, dude, this story it, it literally gets me every freaking time, man. It's unbelievable, man. Like you literally, you were gone. You left here. You were in another plane, another reality, another realm, and you're here today and bringing back all of these gifts with you, man. It's just such a profound story, and I don't want to overlook one of the biggest parts of the story, which is you in that time like you you were looking for like this is I'm, I'm finding my message within this mess you know this messy situation there's a message here and dude like it takes such evolve what do you expect if you're 15 you're near like a dj or whatever and you're like if somebody comes with the cut go like i'm not a rapper i'm a dj <laughs> you know then you become the rapper you know and just like you're out front center stage but not having that story of really overcoming anything and um you know, it's something that, of course, folks can identify with. And there's part of us that's just like, well, I could have did without that thing. But that's not how life is. Yeah. Stuff's going to happen. Yeah. And so your story is just like such an extreme case of, of, of overcoming the impossible. And so I want to ask you now about the inception of the Miracle Morning, because it wasn't all sunshine and roses after the good stuff happened and the recovery happened. Some things took another turn and then something great was born from that. So let's talk about that. Yeah, you, you fast forward. So the car accident happened in 1999 and in 2008 when the United States economy crashed, that was kind of, I would call my second rock bottom. The car accident was kind of my first rock bottom where you know never experienced such adversity. And then in 2008 when the economy crashed, I lost over half of my coaching clients. That was how I made my money. And, uh, and I lost over half my income therefore, right? And couldn't pay the mortgage. My house was taken away by the bank. Um, and I went into kind of a six month downward spiral, which I think a lot of people did. You know, the economy's declining. You know, I'm out of money. I'm living off of credit cards. My house is being, you know, I'm losing my first house to the bank. My body fat percentage tripled just because I canceled the gym membership. And I was in desperation mode where it's like, you wake up, you know, work all day, not really moving anywhere. Like I'm in quicksand, you know, I'm working, but I'm not making money. I'm actually going backwards, even though I'm putting in 12 hour days. And a series of events led me to go on my first ever run. I had never run before. And my, my good friend, John Berghoff said, Hal, if you're not exercising every day, you're not putting yourself in a peak physical, mental and emotional and spiritual state to figure out how to solve your problems. He said, so every morning, go for a run, go for a jog and listen to something that's relevant to what your biggest challenge is right now. He goes, you need coaching clients. There's probably a book on that, right? Go get an audiobook on that. And he actually recommended that I start with this Jim Rohn audio. And so I grabbed my iPod the next morning. I went on a run and Jim Rohn said a quote, 
a few minutes into the run that changed my entire life. He said, your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development because success is something that you attract by the person that you become. And when I heard that, it, it like, and I think I had heard it before, but Sean, it just hit me. And, and for me, I, I always quantify things. So I kind of, I stopped, I rewound it, I played it again. Your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development. And what I realized is that on a scale of one to 10, and everybody listening, like just first think about this for a second. If you're measuring success in your life, in any area, your health, your happiness, your relationships, your finances, on a scale of one to 10, what level do we all want? And it's an obvious, it's well, 10. Like every person, one thing we share in common is we all want level 10 success. But then when I got real with myself and I assessed, what's my level of personal development? Like on a scale of one to 10, the, the, in terms of how am I developing my knowledge and my beliefs and my habits, my physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual capacities. And when I was honest with myself, Sean, I was like at a two, like maybe a three or a four on a good day. And the disconnect yeah. for me is we all want level 10 success. But if our, our daily ritual for personal growth and development is at a two or a three or even a five, it's a big disconnect. And so the epiphany for me is I've got to go home and I'm going to go online. I'm going to Google. I'm going to figure out what are the world's most successful people in different industries and different walks of life? What do they do for their daily personal development rituals? And I'm going to combine the best of the best to create the most effective personal development ritual in the history of you know humanity. Right. Like that was my ambition. And I went home and I had a list of after an hour online, probably about half an hour online of Googling. I had six practices. I had meditation, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and journaling. And I got a little overwhelmed. I'm like, but, but, but which, which one's the best? Like, which one's like going to make the biggest impact? I can't do all six. Like, okay, these are all valuable. Which one's the best? And I couldn't determine the best. It just depended on who you asked. And I was reading about millionaires and billionaires and Olympians and professional athletes and you name it. And the breakthrough is when I went, wait a minute. What if I did all of these? What if I woke up an hour earlier tomorrow and I did I dedicated 10 minutes to each of the six most timeless proven personal development practices in the history of humanity? I thought that would be the ultimate personal development routine and I would that, you know, theoretically would enable me to become the person that I need to be to create the success that I want in every area of my life. And I woke up the next morning, I fumbled through it all. Like I suck, I didn't know how to meditate. I had never done affirmations. They felt really goofy. The way I read about it, it was like, I'm amazing. And I'm a chance, like it was just these goofy phrases, but I still even sucking at the miracle morning at this morning routine, I, I for the first time in six months of like depression and fear and anxiety and stress, I started my day in a way where I went, if I do this every day, it's only a matter of time before I become the person that I need to be that can create anything I want for my life. And I was thinking it'd be six to 12 months. And it was, as I already mentioned, within two months, I more than doubled my income. I, I started training and running uh, a 52 mile ultra marathon, which I had never yeah. run outside of high school PE class. Um, and my depression was gone. It didn't take two months. The depression was gone in a day. Because I literally, I think a big cause of depression is when we start to lose hope. And my very first, it wasn't called the miracle morning, but my very first miracle morning, I went, again, if I do this every day, like 
it's inevitable. I, I can't fail. I'm going to keep growing and getting better and better and better and more capable. And it's only a matter of time before I turn things around. And um, I started teaching it to my coaching clients and almost all of them started out with, Hal, I'm not a morning person. Like, I don't want to get up earlier. I go, no, 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 trust me. I wasn't a morning person either. Like you can, like you can do this. And I gave them some tips and tricks that are, you know, I talk about in the book uh, to beat the snooze button. And 13 out of 14 coaching clients came back two weeks later to their call and said, not only am I, you know, like I'm a morning person, Hal, but I'm having the best results in my career. I just read a self-help book. I'm, I'm exercising like they were on fire. And that's when I decided I have a responsibility to share this with the world. I guess I got to figure out how to write a book about it. And it took three years. I self-published it. That was 12-12-12 was the published date. And uh, since then, it's sold over 2 million copies. It's translated in 37 languages. And almost all of it, or the majority of it, is word of mouth. It's because the Miracle Morning changes people's lives in a really quick, meaningful, and lasting way. And then they start telling everybody they know you, 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 oh, you're upset, you're depressed, you want to start a business, you're, you're struggling in this way. You've got to read the Miracle Morning. You've got to do this. And that's kind of, you know, uh, how we got to today. Man, this story is so good, so powerful. And like you said, it's become this, it's not just this massive best-selling book, but it's become a movement. You know, the folks that are part of your community, you know, you've got a wonderful community on social media as well. And they're always sharing their stories and their insights and there's an energy around it, you know, and that energy and, and the great thing about it that I don't think was highlighted, especially in our last conversation, is how much of a consistent thread these principles are for some of the most successful people in the world and some of the most successful people that folks right now regularly look to as like their heroes or their model for success have really dialed in and like taken major parts of the miracle morning equation if not the whole thing yeah and this in and of itself is becoming this huge thing that everybody can look forward to participating in very soon here and you're parlaying this now into one of the most incredible films that people are going to be able to see and taking these principles and all of these incredible teachers who are utilizing these and hearing their perspectives and their voices. And right now, I think it's so important and so valuable because we're such a media driven, you know, visual community. And for you to take the time, the energy, the resources, the travel, going all over, talking with all of these super successful people and putting their stories into this film says a lot about you. And even what you went through in order to make it is just the story just keeps going to another level. So number one, what inspired you to transform the Miracle Morning, not just into this epic book that's changed the lives of so many people, but to create this wonderful film that's coming out? Yeah, the Miracle Morning movie, you know, it's so interesting. Everything about the Miracle Morning from the practice itself to the book to the, the movie coming out, the book series, it's all been very organic. And I think that's part of a lack of, I'm not like a strategic, you know, I don't, it's hard for me to see the big picture. I just see the next thing in front of me and I just go all in. Well, in 2014, one of my good friends, Nick Conadera was at my house for dinner and he's a filmmaker. He had just made his first full length feature film, which was called Sharp. It's like a, um, a, a comedy uh, for millennials. And uh, he came to my house and he goes, Hal, the Miracle Morning is going so viral. He, he was in the Facebook group, which back then probably had 50,000 people in the Facebook group. Uh, and I think we had probably sold 100,000 copies of the book, give or take. And he said how he wanted my advice on how he could how he could take this into his work. 
And I said, uh, you've got to create a documentary. I said, look, comedies are great, but the reason the Miracle Morning goes viral is because it changes people's behavior that changes their life. So they tell their friends. I go, if you see a comedy, you might remember it for a few days and talk about it. But if you're not doing something every day as a result, you're not going to talk about it. And so um, we started talking about different things he could do a documentary on. And after like 30 minutes of me making all these recommendations and asking all these questions, he goes, wait a minute. Why don't we make the documentary on the Miracle Morning? And I go, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I didn't even think of that. That's a great idea. I said, but I, not now. I'm busy. I'm, I'm focused on the book. Like, call me next year. Circle back. And once Nick gets an idea in his head, he's persistent, man. And he kept texting me and pinging me every day. When are we starting on the movie? When are we on the movie? And I kept pushing him off. And he called me one day and he figured out how to get through uh, to me. And he said, Hal, what's your mission in life with this Miracle Morning movement? I said, it's to elevate the consciousness of humanity one morning and one person at a time. Why? What are you getting at? He said, what percentage of humanity reads self-help books? And I was like, I got where he was going. I go, yeah, like one or two, maybe, you know? And he said, what percentage watches film? And I went, the other 98%. Uh, hmm. I, and his point was, Hal, if you want to, if you want to elevate the consciousness of humanity, if you want to reach literally over a billion people, which is the goal, right? The, that's the focus. He said, you've got to have more than one medium, especially you can't have a medium that's only consumed by 1% of our society. You, you got to go to film. And so we set out on this mission to create a documentary that not just replicated the Miracle Morning book, like that was part of it. I wanted to teach the saver, teach the ritual, the routine, um, but we wanted to go beyond the book and interview some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs and leaders and visionaries and show their morning rituals and how they start their day so that people could get a glimpse at that. And we wanted to show stories of members of the Miracle Morning community who, you know, ordinary individuals, if you will, that have created these extraordinary results. Like we have a gal in the movie. She's from Kenya. We went out to Kenya to film her. Right. We went to Kenya, went to France, went to Canada, Brazil, like all over the place. But um, she had lost eyesight in both of her eyes. And mm. then her husband left her with two kids. So she's a single mom. She's blind and she got deeply depressed. She got an eye transplant from the U.S. She got her sight back, but she was depressed and she Googled how to get out of depression. And she found the miracle morning. So we have her story on how she went from being blind and depressed to being her dream of being an author and a motivational speaker out in Kenya you know, teaching the Miracle Morning, paying it forward and teaching it at schools all around Kenya. We have another guy, Mike Eaton, in the community. He uh, was obese his entire life. He read the Miracle Morning, put it to practice. And in the first eight months of doing his Miracle Morning, he lost 90 pounds and kept it off. Um, you know, and then we have story after story after story like that. And then halfway through filming the movie, two years into it, we were almost done. The, the You know, it was we had like we had a few we were going to film you actually. That's another story. But, um, and then I couldn't breathe. I woke up in the middle of the night, unable to breathe. And I was rushed to the hospital over the next week and a half. I had my lung drained four times, draining 11 liters of fluid. Um, they, my heart started to fail. My kidneys were failing. My lung kept collapsing and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And it turned out I had acute lymphoblastic leukemia, which is a rare aggressive form of cancer that has a 20 to 30% survival rate. And as a dad being told there's a 70 to 80% chance you're going to die in the next you know, few weeks is what they were telling me. Um, 
was terrifying. And I didn't want to do chemo because I'm not a big fan of poisoning the body. I want to build it up. But I reached out to some of the best holistic doctors in the world and they said, chemotherapy is your best bet. This is not a cancer that you have time to experiment with. You have a matter of days, maybe weeks to live if you don't start chemotherapy. And so I started 650 hours of chemotherapy over an eight month period. It's one of the most intensive chemo regimens in existence, which is why the survival rate is so dismal because you're taking so much chemo. Um, and I called Nick and I said, Nick, the day I was diagnosed or a few days later, I said, hey, you'll never believe this. I have cancer. It's not looking very good. I, I've got to focus all my energy on surviving for my family. Uh, the movie's on hold. And he called me back the next day and he said, Hal, number one, I have no doubt in my mind that you're going to beat this cancer. Number two, I want to come film your journey and capture this as part of the documentary. And I was really taken back by that. I was or not taken back, but I was just like, I can't even, you know, like that's not my focus. I don't care about the movie. I don't care if the movie never happens. Like I, I, I got to survive. Thank God. Once again, Nick persisted because he filmed the cancer journey. He filmed me, you know, 25, I mean, skinny, you know, I was six feet tall, 125 pounds on chemo, not a hair on my body, eye infections. I mean, in ER, 104, I mean, he, he filmed me at my most vulnerable near death points. Um, and the last third of the first hour of the Miracle Morning documentary uh, is what we initially set out to, it, it fulfills on the promise and it could end there. But the last 30 minutes is an unbelievably intimate journey where you are by my side watching me like fight for my life um, and maintain the same lesson, the same principles that I live by. You, there's this scene where I'm in tears. I'm in pain. I'm on so in so much pain. And I'm, I'm like, I can barely talk. I'm sniffling. I'm, I'm crying. And I'm saying this doesn't change that I'm grateful for this pain because it's making me a better version of myself. This doesn't change that I'm grateful for everything about this cancer experience because I truly believe it's going to enable me to elevate the impact that I make in the world. And little did I know that the film is what that, you know, what that next that next level of the impact is uh, is going to be. So I just need to pause for a minute, man. That's man. Oh man, that's so powerful, Hal. Um, and I have a little bit of a small connection in this because again, we were trying to figure out getting me into the documentary, into the film, and then this happened. And um, wow, man, it's such, a, it's such a powerful, important film. And like you just mentioned, it's fulfilling on the promise to get tapped into that information, to tap in, tapped into that inspiration that we could all definitely use right now. It's no accident also, it's coming out right now. And you yet again demonstrating how somebody can come back from impossible odds. And we talked about this personally that, you know, you went the course that was necessary and all types of, of, of medical interventions have value. But you also did what you could to stack conditions in your favor with taking better care of yourself, like a whole different level of that so that you can beat these impossible odds because the, the regiment that you were on, most people don't even make it through. Yeah. And you did, and you're here today, man. And I'm so freaking happy and proud of you and, and grateful for you and grateful that you're here. And I know I could see your family, you know, you guys right there in the picture. And it's just, you, you're freaking, you're a miracle. You're, you're the miracle morning, man. It's just so powerful. Thank you, Sean. I, I appreciate that, man. And I, um, you know, yeah, it, 
I think that for everybody, for all of us to, to consider having a paradigm shift around adversity, I think that most of us think bad things happen, I feel bad. Good things happen, I feel good, right? And, and I think that you know, for us to, to have that paradigm shift around adversity where we realize that every adversity that we face, every challenge we face is really an opportunity. And it's an opportunity for us to learn and grow and become better than we've ever been before. And the greater the adversity, the greater the opportunity. And when I had the car accident at 20, right, that's when I really, you know, that was 20 years, 21 years ago. Um, that's when that paradigm shift happened. And I went, hey, every challenge is an opportunity to grow. And in that, we can actually be grateful for the challenge while it's happening. And we can find purpose in the challenge while it's happening. And I think if you can find purpose and you can go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make it through this in the most positive, proactive way possible so that I can be a living example for my family and for my community and for the world. And if all of us take on the current challenges that we're facing like that, then not only will we be better off on the other side, but the entire world, humanity will be better on the other side of our challenges. Absolutely, man. And I would love Having you here is such a great gift for all of us, man, and so many levels. And I want to talk about some of the practical things that folks can put into their lives right now to start to see some results. And we're going to do that right after this important message. So sit tight. We'll be right back. When I was a kid, I don't know about you, but I grew up drinking Kool-Aid, but we also were kind of broke as well. So again, moving to the environment, we had Flavor-Aid. Okay, so it wasn't even like the legit Kool-Aid, it was Flavor-Aid, and it didn't quite taste as good, right? You had to put a little, little extra sugar, and the amount of sugar that we would use is gotta be a law against it. I mean, it's gotta be some kind of criminal act of like poisoning or something, but it would be like a cup in like a two liter uh, Kool-Aid concoction. You got like a cup or two of sugar you're just pouring in there. And that's how I grew up, right? Or Tang, do you remember Tang? Right, Tang had a little hit you in the right here in the throat a little bit, you know, had a little tang to it. But for me, you know, we had that experience, but Kool-Aid was not very portable, all right? It wasn't very portable unless, you know, when I was growing up and going to school, some kids would actually have a bag of Kool-Aid mixed with sugar. And they would straight just like put the finger in, lick it. It's like they were walking around like that or have some type of a an object to be able to dip and to eat the Kool-Aid mix with the sugar in the bag. It's a true story. Other than that, not portable in liquid form until they came out with the Kool-Aid Jammers. Okay, the Kool-Aid Jammers, a little plastic, but it was shaped like uh, the Coke bottle, but you twist the top, squirt it in, and that was the portability of Kool-Aid was now up-leveled. Since then, I have better moved on and better learned about the, the dangers. There's, I mean, artificial colors and flavors and the massive amount of sugar, obviously we know that that is not conducive to our health and wellness. And so, but what can we do to get some of these delicious flavor sensations? Because what the Kool-Aid package said was strawberry or fruit punch, right? But in reality, there's 0% fruit in the fruit punch, 0% strawberry in the strawberry. Right, But today that idea has been up-leveled because what some of the best companies out there know is that we don't wanna to try to change society's behavior overnight. We wanna upgrade the things that people are already doing. So we know that people are gonna drink coffee. Let's find a way to upgrade that. If we know that people are gonna be drinking fruit punch and so-called juices, let's find a way to upgrade that. 
And that's what I have with the red juice blend with Organifi. So this isn't the artificial flavors and colors that we're used to. We're talking about real cold process acai, strawberry, cranberry, also medicinal mushrooms are in there as well, like cordyceps, blueberries in there to round it out, give it a little bit deeper color. And what I love about it, they've upgraded the Kool-Aid jammer and now we have the go packs, the instant go packs of Organifi Red Juice. I just went on a trip to Phoenix and guess what I brought with me? Guess what I had in my Dora the Explorer backpack, all right? It's not that Dora the Explorer is on my backpack, but I'm being like Dora, all right? And so I have my red juice packets in my backpack on the airplane, open it up, pour it in the bottle. I'm getting a massive infusion of nutrition. So I was just in Phoenix hanging out with Sean T, who's been a guest on the show. Sean T is like the, I mean, talking about a fitness icon, he is the guy, you know, so I was there hanging out with him and his family and twin sanity, all right, he's got twins and it was just an awesome, awesome experience. But when I'm traveling now, I'm bringing my Organifi Go Packs with me and I highly encourage you to do the same thing. So again, they've got the new Go Packs right now. You need to check out that red juice formula. It's just incredible. Matter of fact, listen to this. I just came across a study and this was from researchers at the University of Michigan. They found that blueberry, which is in the Organifi Red Juice, Blueberries have been found to affect genes related to fat burning, all right? So it's not just you eat something and it's supposed to do a thing or to manage, like how does it actually work? Well, everything in our bodies, our metabolism is regulated by our genes. So this is influencing genes that actually activate fat burning. That's really, really powerful stuff. And so they also found, this was in the Journal of Nutrition, showed that the consumption of blueberries was also able to reduce insulin resistance in study participants. I'm just gonna leave it at that, all right? That's enough right there, because there's so many different incredible studies that are finding the efficacy of these really powerful fit fruits. And it's again, low temperature process, low sugar, but it tastes yummy. Organifi Red Juice. So head over there, check them out right now. It's Organifi.com forward slash model. You get 20% off. All right, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash model for 20% off. And now back to the show. All right, we're back and we're talking with international best-selling author and filmmaker, Hal Elrod. And Hal is just somebody who's been a continuous inspiration for me. I've got the terminology that came from the House of Elrod on my calendar every day. And I think that right now is a really important time for getting back to basics. You know, I think that we've really even strayed as a culture away from the things that make us human, away from the things that make us successful, that the great sages and, and successful people of past have been saying to do these things. But also it's presenting this opportunity to put some of these things into play. And one of the biggest things is I think for many of us is that our schedules and our consistency, even if we had a routine, has been just kind of thrown into the fire. And today's episode, what I really wanted to take from this was to really take control of what we can. And so that's where how Elrod comes in because you are the guy who really presses into popular culture. So if you can, let's talk about taking some control of our schedule and, and, and putting a practice into place that can help to just by by its actual implementation 
automatically creates better results. Yeah. Yeah. You know, our, our daily rituals determine our results, how we feel, what we think, what we focus on, uh, and ultimately our quality of life. And the the miracle morning, the premise of it is 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 around a very simple concept or it's around a couple, right? The first one is that Jim Rohn philosophy I shared earlier, which is your level of success won't exceed your level of personal development, right? And, and the way I would flip that is the other side of the coin in the way of saying that is your level of success will parallel your level of personal development. So in other words, our society is conditioned us to think that if you want to achieve more, you have to do more. And while that is a strategy, what I found is that the, 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 the more true, more effective, more lasting strategy is that the real secret to achieving more isn't doing more, it's becoming more, right? Doing more will give you short-term benefits, short-term results. Becoming more will give you long-term lasting results. And you can often achieve more by doing even less. As you become more effective through your personal development, more uh, efficient through your personal development, you can achieve more by doing even less. So that's the first premise. The second is that how you start your day sets the tone, the context, and the direction for the day that you live thereafter. And, and, and a simple way to put that is if you win the morning, you win the day, right? Or you put yourself in a position to win the day. Um, one of the gentlemen in, featured in the Miracle Morning movie, Brian Johnson, founder of Optimize, he said that, uh, you know, your days, your life in miniature, right? And that the way you create an extraordinary life is you put together, you string together many extraordinary days and all of those days start with the morning, right? So most people, they have, I would, you know, no offense to anybody, but, you know, at least for me, it used to be a mediocre morning where I slept until the last possible minute. I usually hit the snooze button a few times, right? Which if you think about that, that doesn't even make sense. You know, you're saying like, I want extraordinary life. Ah, but I'd rather lay here unconscious for nine more minutes, right? And then I didn't do that a few times. <laughs> and then if you, and you're also, you wake up and it's literally, you're resisting life itself. You're going, oh, I got to get out of bed. I don't want to get out of bed. Versus waking up, not when you have to, but waking up because you want to, right? It doesn't have to be an hour. It could be 30 minutes. Most people do an hour long miracle morning, about 82%. Uh, like 15% or so do a 30 minute miracle morning and the last few percent do less than that, like 15 minutes. Um, but either way, it's completely scalable. You know, you can do, there's a chapter in the book called the six minute miracle morning. So you can really do whatever you want. So that's the premise is how you start your day sets the tone, the context, the direction for how you live your day. And if you have a goal oriented, growth oriented, focused, purpose driven morning, right, you become the best version of yourself and then you bring the best version of yourself into everything that you touch throughout the day. <clears throat> the one thing to consider is right now, and this is true in life, but especially now, whenever we're stressed out. We tend to go to bed thinking stressful thoughts and then consider that your first thought in the morning is almost always the same as the last thought you had before bed. So if you went to bed thinking stressful thoughts, not only do you marinate on those throughout the night while you're sleeping, your subconscious work goes to work on those stressful thoughts and, and you know continues to soak them into your nervous system. But when you wake up in the first thing in the morning, your first thought is usually, oh, right, whatever you were thinking before bed and, and flip that over. Think about like for me, Sean, like what, what's the most exciting time for you throughout your lifetime? When is the most exciting time for you to wake up in the morning, like vacation or Christmas or like, what is it for you? For me now, I mean, it's daily, but back yeah. in the day, it was definitely Christmas day. Christmas. That would be, that's that vibe. 
I love that because I think for most of us, right, especially if you're when you're a kid, if you celebrated Christmas, you couldn't wait to wake up. And so you think about it. The last thing you were thinking about before you went to bed is it's Christmas. Oh, my gosh, I can't wait. And you probably didn't even sleep that well because you were so freaking excited. You tossed and turned and you couldn't fall asleep. But as soon as the your eyes shot open in the morning, you you were like, it's Christmas. And you were excited and you were energized. And it didn't matter how many hours of sleep you got or the quality of the sleep. You were intentional before bed about what you were thinking about. You created your experience in the morning before you fell asleep. And then you manifested it. You lived it first thing in the morning. And you're on fire. You're energized. You're excited. You're happy, etc. And one of the things I've realized with the Miracle Morning is that you can, like you said, every day. You can recreate that experience intentionally every single day. So I wanted to start there. That's the big picture context of why the heck would you want to do a miracle morning, right? You want to start your day. You want to develop, devote time to becoming the person that you need to be to create everything you want for your life. That's how you start the miracle morning. And then if you want, we can dive into what are those six practices and how do you execute each with, you know, with, with simplicity, but also effectiveness. Absolutely. We can't have you here and not go through the six pieces, man. So let's do it. So here we go. Uh, so once again, I'm gonna. I gotta. I gotta give credit to my muse, my wife Ursula, because these six practices had no rhyme or reason. There was no way to connect them. And I was writing the book one day, and I, I felt that. I thought, man, all these authors, you know, they're smart. They they think create some sort of memorable system or structure. Like Robert Kiyosaki has the cash flow quadrant, right? And once you've read the book and seen the quadrant, you never forget it, right? Stephen Covey had the seven habits of highly effective people. So there's all these different systems. And one day I was writing the book. I had no way to connect these six practices. I went to my wife and I said, sweetheart, um, she could tell I was stressed out. She goes, what's wrong? And I explained her the, the dilemma I was facing. And she goes, why don't you get a thesaurus Consult the thesaurus and see if you can swap some of the names of these practices and combine them into an acronym that people remember. You know, and I kissed her on the face and I went to the computer and I started figuring this out. Meditation became silence and journaling became scribing. And the affirmation begins with an S and ends with an S. It's savers. S-A-V-E-R-S. Silence, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing. And I'll tell you, Sean, that I love the acronym because it literally, these six practices saved my life, right? And, and I don't mean they saved me from suicide. I wasn't that, I wasn't that dark of a place at that point, um, but they saved me from missing out on the life that I, I knew I, I was meant to live and that I deserved to live because these enabled me to become the person that I needed to be to create that life. So let's dive into these. The first S is for silence. I love that it became silence and not meditation because a lot of people incorporate prayer into their silence or contemplation or some form of, of breath work, right? And I, I, I mix them all up. I'll do, mm -hmm. yeah, usually every day I do meditation and prayer. Um, and then some days I'll do some Wim Hof breathing and, and some different practices. Um, I want to, I want to share an advanced strategy for everybody listening uh, when I say advanced, it's, you know, it's, for me, it's not the normal way that people meditate. M most of us are taught to meditate either around a mantra where, you know, transcendental meditation, if you repeat the same mantra over and over and over and over. Uh, the most popular form of meditation is one where you would quiet the mind, attempt to release your attachment to any thoughts, right? Those are great. But for me, I'm a really results oriented person, probably to a fault, like a lot of entrepreneurs, 
And so while I do meditate in those ways many times, my favorite form of meditation is one that will actually enable me to uh, achieve my goals, right? To actually create measurable outcomes in my life. And I call this emotional optimization meditation. And it's very simple. Every morning when you're about to start your meditation, you ask yourself, what emotional state would best serve me? And in terms of the time frame, that might be in this moment. It might be at this time in my life. It might be today, right? So if you've got an important meeting coming up where you need some confidence, you might need to, you might need to get into that state of confidence, right? If it's Saturday and you're greeting your kids or your wife, you might need to get into a place of fun and playfulness, right? Mm. If it's just the general t- life, I don't know about you, but I like to feel happy and I like to feel grateful. You know, I always say in life, you can be stressed out or you can be blissed out. Life's going to happen either way. So I like to be blissed out. You know what I mean? So ask yourself, what is the ideal emotional state that I want or need to be in? And then once you lock in that state, you set your timer and you start you start with a stimulus, some sort of memory, some sort of object of your affection that will create the state. So if I want to be grateful, I'll just picture my two babies, my two kids. My daughter, Sophie, is 11. My son, Halston, is seven. And that is the easiest thing to trigger a smile on my face and deep feelings of joy and gratitude. So I'll imagine that stimuli, right? My kids, I'll get into that state. And then if I haven't set my timer yet, I set the timer at that point and I'll set it for usually 10 minutes and I'll just marinate in that emotional state for 10 minutes. I'm hardwiring it in my brain. It's seeping into my nervous system. I'm acclimating to that emotional state so that it's becoming who I am. It's becoming something that I can access throughout the day or at any given time. It's becoming my default mode of being. And then if I'm having a stressful day, right? You know, two hours later, four hours later, I'm stressed out. I can close my eyes. I can put my hand on my heart and I can immediately re-engage that state. And again, whether the state is gratitude and happiness or it's confidence or it's playfulness or it's peace of mind, whatever it is, you can harness and optimize and reinforce that emotional state every single morning. So that's my favorite form of meditation I've been practicing for the last probably six months or so. Mm, I love that so much, man. So good. That's the thing when I talk to you, I pull things away that I experiment with, man. So thank you. So that's the S and I love that you gave- because this is a new new layer that we didn't have five years ago in our conversation nope. of that diversity that's within that silence, you know, and you using the S, like not even knowing that that would have that impact. I love it, man. So yeah. let's go to the A is next. This is my favorite because affirmations, I believe, are the most misunderstood, misinterpreted, mistaught form of personal development. We're often with affirmations, there's one of two problems. We're usually taught either to um, lie to ourself, right? Just, just tell yourself something that you want to be true that isn't true. But you know, if you want to be wealthy, just affirm it. I am wealthy. I am wealthy. I'm a millionaire, right? But if you're not, then the truth will always prevail and you're fighting with, with truth, right? That's never going to be the optimum strategy. You know, if you want to lose weight, you know, you, you, you're taught to affirm, I am thin, I am thin, I, right? But if you're overweight and you know that's not true, you're, you're, you're going to be, you're fi- creating an internal conflict. So number one, the first problem with affirmations, lying to yourself is never the most effective strategy. Number two, we're taught to use this flowery, passive language that promises an almost magical result 
independent of any effort from us, right? You've probably heard an affirmation somewhere along these lines. I am a money magnet. Money flows to me effortlessly and in abundance, right? And if you talk to anybody that has built a fortune, right? It didn't happen that way. They, they didn't sit back on their couch, make a vision board, think they were a magnet, wait for the money to show up, right? No, they, they worked hard. They created value. They added value to the consumer. The consumer reciprocated with money, right? So again, the reason, by the way, I think that people actually like that affirmation is if you're struggling financially or struggling in any area of life, and you sit there and you close your eyes and you promise yourself that everything's going to get better, just it's all going to magically fix itself, well, then that gives you temporary relief from your woes, right? Like, oh, okay, I'm a money magnet. Money is going to flow to me. you know. But I'd be really curious to do a nationwide survey on how many people that have done that affirmation that money flowed to them, right? You know, Now, if they combine that with other affirmations around the work, Maybe, but right, that in and of itself, I don't think is ideal. And I think that's why a lot of people are turned off by affir affirmations because they tried these formulas, these techniques, and like nothing happened. No, I was, I was lying to myself, right? So I want to give everybody three really specific steps to create affirmations that are practical and that will that are results oriented and will actually produce tangible results. Like if I affirm that money, you know, a financial affirmation. I want to actually see my, my bank account balance grow, right? So step one, affirm what you're committed to. Affirm what you're committed to. Uh, don't say, I want to be a millionaire. Say, I'm committed to doing whatever it takes to becoming a millionaire, no matter what, there's no other option, right? Now you're programming your subconscious mind with the commitment that is required for you to achieve a real tangible result. So number one, affirm what you're committed to. And I'm going to go through these steps. I'm going to give you a real life example. Uh, number two, affirm why it is deeply meaningful to you. Affirm this and, and use bullet points if you need to. Like, what are the reasons that you're willing to do whatever it takes to make that commitment a reality? And number three, which specific actions will you take and when? Right. That's where the rubber meets the road. Don't just affirm something and then and then wipe your hands a bit. No, no, no. You're committing to this. Why? What are you going to do? When are you going to take the action? When are you going to write that book? When are you going to make those phone calls? When are you going to play with your kids? Right? What actions are you going to take and when? And I'll give you a really specific example. Uh, when I was diagnosed with cancer, of course, I like the first thing I went to is the miracle morning. You know, like I'm going to do this every day and I'm going to heal my body from the inside out. I'm doing chemo, but I'm going to do number one, every holistic practice known to man, right? Like I did coffee enemas and, and uh, ozone sauna and acupuncture and uh, uh, lymphatic massage. And I took 70 supplements a day and I did juicing and I, I mean, you name it, I did everything. But in my mind, most importantly, I programmed my body to heal itself. And so my affirmations went like this. Step one, affirm what you're committed to. My affirmation said, I am committed. I am 100% committed to healing myself from cancer and living to be 100 plus years old alongside Sophie and the kid or Ursula and the kids. Sophie's my daughter's name. Um, just in case you're like, whoa, 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 who's Sophie? Um, <laughs> who's Sophie? Yeah, no. so I am 100% committed to healing myself from cancer to live to be 100 plus years old alongside Ursula and the kids. And then I always finish it with no matter what, 
There is no other option. That's my gut check. No matter what, I am committed. No matter what, there is no other option. So for you, I'm committed to blank. No matter what, there's no other option. Number two, why is it deeply meaningful to you? And, and I'm going to tell you word for word. You're going to see this scene in the movie where I'm actually with cancer reciting my affirmations, but I'll give it to you right now. I'm committed to beating cancer for Ursula because I promised her forever and a day. I'm committed to beating cancer for Sophie because she needs her daddy's love, guidance, and, and leadership. I'm committed to beating cancer for Halston because he needs his dad's love, guidance, and leadership as well. I'm committed to beating cancer for my dad because he gave up everything to save my life. I'm committed to beating cancer for my mom <clears throat> because she doesn't deserve to lose another child. I'm committed to beating cancer for myself because I deserve to live a long, happy, and healthy life. And I am committed to beating cancer for the millions of people who are themselves battling cancer or some other disease and are not blessed with the resources and the knowledge that I have. And they desperately need my love, my leadership, and my support. <clears throat> and that was the fuel. Those affirmations were the fuel that got me to step three, which is I will do everything in my power. I will do everything. All the chemo that I, you know, that I, I got over the resistance and I decided, hey, look, this is this is necessary to beat this cancer. I will do 650 hours of chemo, no matter how painful it may be, and I will do every holistic practice that I can that I'm aware of to heal myself of this cancer. And I read that affirmation every single day. And Sean, most important was when I felt fear, which I felt a lot in the beginning, but these affirmations reprogrammed it. It went away. In the beginning, it was, what if I die? What if, what if all the positivity in the world doesn't heal me, doesn't save me, and I still die, and, I, and my, my daughter and my son, who were seven and four, are left without a dad? Like, you know, like, like it's, it's like, so, so I felt that. But then every day, I'd pull my affirmations, I would read them with conviction, and I'd be like, no, 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 I'm committed to beating the cancer and living to be a hunt, no matter what, there's no other option. And it literally, it replaced my fear with unwavering faith. And once again, the doctors, kind of like when I walked after my car accident, they were blown away by how quickly I was in remission in a matter of months, you know, and, and how, how well I responded to all the therapies. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. This, in and of itself, there's this consistent theme that we're hearing on recent episodes of the show about unwavering faith. Mm. And this is a time like a lot of us, we're flirting with it. We're flirting with faith. We're flirting with, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. That kind of mentality. And life is going to respond in like kind. Well, we'll see what happens. That's yeah. what you want and we'll see what happens. And we keep seeing consistently, man, that the impossible is possible. It's only impossible because somebody hasn't done yet, you know? and. Well, first of all, how I'm going to need you to stop rising from the ashes. All right. You've done it enough, man. Like I'm going to need you to stop. But I'm done. Truly, I'm your done story man. I feel so... like I've, I've done my time. <laughs> You've got enough good stories. But seriously, man, I mean, I'm so grateful that you take these experiences and then you channel it into value and, you know, gifts for us. You know, like it's Christmas right now having this conversation, man. So. Uh, affirmations, thank you so much for helping us to dial in that perception because I even got a new layer for myself here. So next is the V. The V for visualization. And these last four I'll go through. The V a little bit of time, but the last three real quick. Um, the V for visualization, similar to affirmations, uh, I think we've been taught this ineffectively. 
when you learn visualization from a self-help guru or the movie The Secret or whatever, we're usually taught to you know make a vision board or in some way visualize the end result and then that's it. We're left at that, right? Like see yourself living the dream, see yourself crossing the finish line. And there is value in that, but it's a limited value. And to me, it's actually detrimental if you leave it at that. So I'm going to share two steps to visualization to make it effective. Number one, visualize the end result, right? They got that part right. The reason for that is I'll give you an example. When I was training for my ultra marathon, I visualized crossing the finish line. And the benefit of that is that it actually starts to become real for you, right? A vision that on day one, you might go, man, that's so far away from what I'm currently experiencing in my life. I can't even, I can hardly imagine that. But when you visualize it over and over and over and over and over every day, you start to acclimate to that possibility becoming real for you. And so then you start to go, I, I'm actually going to do it. I can believe it. But the problem is if you stop there, you trick yourself into thinking that the outcome is a foregone conclusion independent of your effort. And it's not because your, your brain starts to go, yeah, yeah, I believe it's going to happen. And, and you start to lose that healthy you know, drive or even fear of like, well, if I don't do the thing today, that's not going to happen a year from now, Right. So the second part of the visualization process is, in my opinion, the most important. You got to visualize yourself engaged in the necessary activity in an optimum emotional state. Visualize yourself engaged in the necessary activity in an optimal emotional state and, 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 and really for the day, like today. So I'll give you an example. I hated running. I had never run in my life outside of the forced running, you know, the mile every year in PE class. I hated running. And so uh, I would visualize every morning. Here's what I would do. I'd close my eyes during my miracle morning and I'd see the alarm going off on my phone and the alarm would go off my phone at 7 a.m. And I would visualize myself going into my bedroom closet, getting on my running clothes, heading out the front door, opening the front door. And I would see myself through my own eyes looking at the pavement. And then I would see myself smiling and I would start saying things in my head while I was visualizing, this is going to be a great run. You're going to crush it. You're growing stronger with every step that you take. I would fire myself up during the visualization process. I would create this optimum emotional state to go running. And then guess what happened, Sean? When the alarm went off at 7 a.m., that rehearsal that I had done during visualization, it, be, it was game time. And without even thinking, there was no resistance to running because I had rehearsed it in an optimum emotional state. So I got up, I went in my closet, put on my running clothes, headed out the front door, opened the front door. First thing I did was smile in real time. And I thought things like, I'm going to crush this run. You're mine, sidewalk, like one step out, you know, <laughs> and then I went on the run. And the point is, that when you use visualization in this way, you're visualizing yourself doing the activities that you need to do to create the results you want. And you're mentally and emotionally rehearsing it so that when it's game time, it's easy. You've already been there in your mind, body and spirit, and it's easy to go there in reality. Mm, that's so powerful. That emotional dynamic, man. Thank you. Thank you for adding that layer. All right. So we've got that's so ERS. savers. Yeah. All right. These let's ones do are, it. These ones are pretty easy. So we don't need to get too advanced exercise. The only thing I want to do is sell you on doing it in the morning, at least a little bit, because a lot of people might go, well, I already exercise in the afternoon. I, I, I go to the, the gym in the evening, whatever. That's great. But as Robin Sharma said in the Miracle Morning documentary that's coming out uh, in a couple of weeks, 
<clears throat> or less than a week. No, when this comes when this comes out, it's it's yep, less than a week. Oh, oh, so everybody, I'm going to mention, yeah, go to MiracleMorningMovie.com. You don't want to miss it. We're doing a live world premiere. In the movie, Robin Sharma said that the benefits of exercise last as long as 13 hours after the initial exercise. So the point is, when you exercise, you release endorphins that make you feel better. You feel happier, right? You get blood and oxygen to your brain that give you more clarity. Your lymph system wakes up. You have more sustained energy. You don't want to miss out on those benefits throughout the day. So make sure you're at least doing five or 10 minutes of exercise first thing in the morning, right? Some jumping jacks. For me, I go for a bike ride every morning. I get fresh air. I get oxygen. I get my legs are pumping. I get sunshine, right? It's one of my favorite parts of the miracle morning. So do some form of exercise that wakes you up in the morning. In terms of, by the way, one of my favorite apps is the seven minute workout. Check that out on your phone. You can get it free. It's a killer workout, seven minutes, full body workout. The R in Sabres is for reading. And again, not rocket science here, but a couple tips I'll give you. Number one, think about quantifying. If you read only 10 pages per day, that is 3,650 pages a year. That's the equivalent of 18 200-page books. If you're reading books on finances and relationships and happiness and motivation and productivity, you're going to be a different person. You're going to be in the top 1% of our society, the people that read every day, right? Cut that in half. That's still nine books a year, right? Five pages a day. The only tip I'll give you is this. Whatever you say is the most important thing in your life, make sure that your reading starts with that. I have a goal. I have a rule. I'm not allowed to read a business book or a marketing book until I've read at least five pages out of a parenting or a marriage book. That's to remind me every morning that, oh yeah, this my family's number one. It's one thing to say it, it's another to live it. Like, are you living in alignment with your highest priority? And so for me, it's family. So I'm not allowed, I gotta earn the right to get to that, crack open that business book that I'm loving by reading a book that's gonna help me be a better husband that day or a better dad that day. And then last but not least is the S, the final S in savers is for scribing, which is a fancy word for writing. And for me, for years, I've used the five minute journal, which is really simple. Write down three things you're grateful for in the morning and then look at your to-do list and write down the three highest priorities for you. What, you know, I I don't know about you, but I've got, you know, 10, 15, 20 things on my to-do list every day. I look at it and I go, okay, I'm tempted to do the easy things on this list first, right? That's really tempting. Like, let's check it off. I get to feel productive. But I look at it and go, what are the needle movers? What's the number one thing on this list that will make the biggest impact in the most important area of my life? And then number two and then number three. So that's how I journal. And I'll wrap this up by saying those six practices, the savers, Um, Again, they're scalable. You can do 10 minutes each, five minutes each. You can do 20 minutes of meditation, five minutes of jerk. You can can customize it to fit your lifestyle and fit your preferences. Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he's one of the biggest advocates for the miracle morning. Um, He's read the book at least three times. Him and his wife do it every day. They've done it for like five years. And when he had me on Rich Dad Radio, he summed this up better than I ever have. He said, and I'm paraphrasing what he said, but as close as I can remember, how before the miracle morning, before I read that book, every successful person on the planet did at least one of the savers every day. You know, they swear by one of them and maybe two or three. But he said, I had never heard of anyone 
that did all six of these ancient, you know, best practices to elevate themselves and elevate their lives. He said, and he said, when you do all six, any one will change your life. But when you do all six, it really does create miracles. He said, I think you named it perfectly, you know? And uh, yeah, so those are the savers. Those are the six practices that will save you from missing out on the life that you deserve to live. Man, so much value. How? thank you so much, bro. So the world premiere is coming up here when this is coming out because it's, it's on 12-12, right? 12-12-2020, the eight-year anniversary of the book, yeah. So it's coming out later this week. Okay. So when this is getting released, so everybody can go right now and get signed up to see the world premiere. How, do, how can they do that? So go to miraclemorningmovie.com. Watch the trailer first. I always say once you watch the trailer, you'll really understand what this movie's about beyond what I've said today. But go to miraclemorningmovie.com. Um, and then I'm going to give a code for your listeners to get 20% off their tickets. And then I'll tell you what the ticket comes with. But use the code MIRACLE2020. All caps, MIRACLE2020. You'll get 20% off your ticket. And here's what your ticket comes with. And this is going to be like a probably, a, you know, one-time thing. We're doing it for the live premiere. Um, you get Obviously, you get a ticket to watch the movie, but we're going beyond that. We want to make this really valuable for people. So right after the movie is an implementation training from me. So it gives you step-by-step. Step, here's how you start your miracle morning tomorrow. Move your alarm clock across the way. Set these things out in your living room. Like We walk you through your first miracle morning. Then we're going to open it up for a live Q&A with me and the filmmakers. So you can ask me anything that you want. And then it's going to end with a new and improved 30-day challenge. So you're going to get emailed a 30-day challenge that will support you over the first 30 days to starting and completing your miracle morning your first month so that it becomes a lifelong habit. And then last but not least, you're going to get a digital download of the movie afterwards so that you'll have it forever. You can share it with your friends and family. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's it. So MiracleMorningMovie.com and the mission of this film is to teach people, to show people how to take control of their lives, no matter what's going on in the outer world, take control of your inner world, take control of your life one morning at a time. And um, I'm so, so excited to share this with the world and to experience this live on, on 12-12-2020. So powerful, man. Eight year anniversary from the book Becoming a Movement. This is gonna be the next movement, man. I appreciate you so much. Uh, for putting your time, energy, focus, your heart into this, brother. It means so much. And um, again, look, I'm pumped for the movie, but more so I'm pumped for so many people out there to see it and to spread the word and really to help usher in a new way of being for us right now when we need it so much. Awesome, brother. Thank you, Sean. I, I love you and appreciate you, brother. And thank you so much for allowing me to, to share the message with your audience and everybody listening. Thank you so much and hope to see you at the premiere. Awesome. How El Rod, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this episode. How Elrod, truly an incredible inspiration for so many people. And he's somebody who, against all odds, just continued to get up every day and to execute and to continue to be an inspiration and paving a way for us and just showing what's possible. And we could definitely use a lot more of that right now. Uh, How's example, and even if you take the miracle morning on for yourself. This can be a 10 minutes of each of these savers, or he, as he mentioned, it could be a six minute process. You take a minute, put, invest into each one of those. Or for myself personally, I take on pieces of it. You know, what really fits best in my life 
each day. So for example, today I got up, I do my morning routine. I drank my, uh, you know, 20 to 30 ounces of water to start the day. And from there I do my reading. And after that, do a little bit of meditation, do a little bit of exercise, journaling. You know, I'll take, I do take on quite a few of these pieces, but they all for me are very practical because even within my meditation, I've created a meditation where I have the visualization built in. You know, I might do some breathing exercises to begin with, you know, a little bit of silence and transition over into a gratitude practice or visualization process. Like you can really make these things meld and and have a, a, a beautiful blend together. But the essential part to really take away from this is that right now we need to take back control of our minds and our schedules. And when he mentioned folks, basically kind of waking up like it's an accident you're waking up in your day just like you're, you're an accident everything is is just so you know you're not even trying to get into it it's just like it's a it's an inconvenience this day is an inconvenience and i remember living like that so when he mentioned having this feeling of like ah oh, like you know hitting the the snooze button i remember like i didn't even think about it until he just said said that example that that's how my life was for a great portion of my life. You know, it's just like each day I got to get up. I got to go to school. I didn't really want to go getting up. Got to go to this job. I really don't want to go to whatever the, the occasion may be versus like I haven't had that experience in so long that it almost be, it was a distant memory. You know, like each and every day for me now is just an opportunity. And there's like a flip that we can switch in our minds to seeing that, you know, like finding ways today, there's going to be something beautiful to happen. No matter, there's going to be problems. Every day has, uh, is equal opportunity with problems and gifts. You know, equal, it's an equal opportunity employer, right? Life, that's what life is. And so, but now I've tuned myself into regardless what happens and, and Hal has done that to an incredible degree, but regardless of what happens, I'm going to find a gift in it and continue to grow. And this is an opportunity for me to get better. And that's what I'm here for. You know, so let's stop waking up like we're an accident. Stop waking up like life is an accident and take some more dominion over it because this is our opportunity, you know? And it just doesn't mean that we can't lay back, sleep in, reward, chill, uh, uh, even feel the negativity and the, the, the angst and the depression and all the different emotions that we talked about recently with Dr. Susan David, all of our emotions have value. However, we need to transmutate. As Hal mentioned, the messages might sound in conflict because he's such a positive, he, he, he thrives and sees himself as somebody who's really a positive person and driving for positivity. But he mentioned the affirmation part of not lying to oneself and seeing the negative emotions, but like, let's transmute that. Let's learn the lesson and what it can teach us and put that into something great. Right. So again, this is not about being perfect. This is not a time to be concerned about perfection. It's just about progress. And you can make progress every day uh, just by taking on a little bit of these principles each morning and creating some routine. Right now, it's a time to take back control of our schedules, create something better, you know, so that we start our day in a powerful position. All right. So again, very grateful for you hanging out with me today. Make sure to check out the world premiere of the Miracle Morning Movie. Go to MiracleMorningMovie.com. Use the code, exclusive code that he shared as well to get uh, the discount off the ticket. And then of course you get to keep the film, which you can share with the people you care about. I love that he mentioned that. 
You know, Hal is such an incredible human being. He put everything he could into this film. And, you know, we have stories, him and I, personal stories of like, I was going to be in the film. And so many of people that I know, some of the great success teachers of today are in this film. And I was, it's such an honor to even be a part of it. But when we were trying to figure it out, you know, this earth shattering event happened in his life. And he literally went through hell and back to make this for us. So please definitely check it out. Go to miraclemorningmovie.com and be a part of the movement and just to give back and to share for what Hal has shared with us today, if that. And also, you know, just an investment for ourselves in our own health and our well-being and our personal development and our growth, because that's what it's really about. It's a tool for that. I appreciate you guys so much for tuning in today. We've got some epic shows coming your way. Oh my goodness, we're not stopping anytime soon. Much, much more to come. So please share this out with the people you care about on social. You can send this direct from the podcast app. We can use some inspiration right now. And again, much, much more to come. So make sure to stay tuned. Take care, have an amazing day, and I'll talk with you soon. My brand new book, Eat Smarter, is on the way. Eat Smarter is the first book to take you behind the scenes and show you how your metabolism really works. Demonstrating specific foods and nutrients that control your metabolism and influence things like fat loss and weight gain. But you'll also discover how certain foods and nutrients control your cognitive function and influence things like your attention span and your working memory. Plus, you'll also learn the latest information on how food controls your sleep and the surprising science around how food controls our emotional stability and how we interact with each other. It's a very special book and part of an initiative to change our health and wellness systems. And right now, when you pre-order Eat Smarter, you also get instant access to a brand new mini course, The 10 Foods Proven to Optimize Your Fat Loss Hormones for free. It's a $97 mini course you get instant access to when you pre-order Eat Smarter. So go to eatsmarterbook.com right now and pre-order the book and get your free mini course. Eat smarter, use the power of food to reboot your metabolism, upgrade your brain, and transform your life. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes, you can find transcriptions, videos for each episode, and if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome, and I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.